you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. You got the memo. I'm glad you're here. I don't normally preach and talk a lot about vision on Wednesdays. I usually hold that for Sunday nights, but I felt tonight specifically to come to you and to speak to you on what the Lord has put in my spirit. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some vision and some future and where God's taken us and what I believe God is wanting to speak to the church. And I know specifically what he is speaking to me in in these um, last and closing days of 2021. It's hard to believe that the end of this year is already here. And we are approaching a brand new year. And uh, I do know this, if we wait until the new year gets here, before we begin to take action, uh, we may absolutely miss our moment. And so we've got to start now in preparation for what God is wanting to do in 2022. And I believe it's going to be a great year for us. In John chapter 5 in verses 1 through 9, I want to read as a text uh, to lead into what I feel the Lord wants to speak uh, to this church tonight. John chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed. And walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. So it didn't look like it was the time that it was supposed to happen. Healing was not supposed to happen on the Sabbath. But Jesus, on the Sabbath day, 
tells this man to rise, take up his bed, and walk. So tonight, for a little while, I just want to speak to you, and if I was to use a subject for this message or this word tonight that I am bringing to you, it is very simply a call into action. And the word that I will bring to you tonight, I would title, Our Time Is Now. Our time is now. We can wait or we can go into action now. We can try to pause and wait for a better opportunity. But right now is the best time. I, I hope tonight to, to motivate some of us and to spark our hearts and to help us to begin to think and to think forward, and to think progressively, and to think proactively about what the future is going to look like for each of us personally in 2022. What goals do you have? What ideas do you have? What are you praying for and asking God for? What ministries do you see coming to fruition? And this is what I want to speak to you about tonight, and specifically to this church and for this church and what I believe that God is directing in this last hour uh, for, for this church so that we may move forward and see and be part of a great, this great end time revival and end time harvest of souls. I believe that the church must recognize the day and hour in which we live. I do believe we are in the final days, but not just the final days, we're in the closing hours. I believe the coming of the Lord is so very near. One doesn't have to look too closely to see that the coming of the Lord is very near. There are signposts everywhere telling us that the coming of the Lord is very near. The Bible gives us some, some ways to determine where we are in the staging of the end times. The Bible says that in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12 that the love of many would wax cold. And here is a sign that is so easy to see in the church today. Pay attention now to the text as I'm going to try to parallel the text of John chapter 5 and of where I believe that the church is in these great last last days and where God is wanting to take the church to. I'm going to relate it tonight in the timing of what God did in the text. If you noticed in the text, the man for 38 years had laid by the pool of Bethesda. It wasn't that opportunity to move forward had never come because opportunity for his healing had come but it had not been possible because he had situations that got in the way. He had things that got in the way. His personal health got in the way. There were things that prevented him from being able to get through to the miraculous power that God had for had made available to him. Watch this text unfold now. As we look at how things got in the way, things of the flesh got in the way. 
there was the lack of provision, the lack of a way, yet God had given moments of opportunity. There had been 38 key significant moments for this man to receive his healing, but he had not ever been able. He even responds to the words of Jesus and says, as I would try to get into the pool, that somebody else would get in and step into the pool before me. It seemed like that opportunity came, but I never was quite able to get there. I was never quite able. I want you to watch the parallel as I'm speaking tonight and as I'm preaching to you tonight. I wonder what would have happened if the man would have anticipated after a few years of watching that every year an angel came and troubled the water. What could have been different in the life of the man if he would have anticipated a move of those waters? What could have been different in his life if he would have started moving before the water started moving? What would have happened if he would have moved before God moved? I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about preparedness, being ready, foreseeing what God is wanting to do and taking the proactive steps of being ready as God opens the door for us to be able to move forward and to charge into what he has for us, our future, his will, and God's plan. The Bible says as we look at the great timetable that in these last days that the love of many would wax cold. It also says that there would be a great falling away. There would be a falling away of apostolic passion and heart. Watch with me now as these, as these signposts that the scripture gives us and this story begin to work hand in hand. The falling away of apostolic passion. Uh, for some, I believe that maybe Sunday services have become mere ritual. They just kind of come and go. We have a movement of the Holy Ghost. People make light of the fact. We talk about the New Year's coming. You know what that means around CLC. We begin to fast and pray. And uh, we, we, we fast and pray. Some folks begin already. I've already heard it. People are already making light of the season of fasting and prayer. Let me ask those who would choose to make light. I know I'm talking to the Wednesday night saved church that is here tonight. But don't let somebody make light of our season of fasting and prayer. Because they may make light of you fasting and praying in January and February. So they choose not to. But let's see if they're fasting in March and April. They're making light because they're convicted in their heart already. I know that the church is going to be moving into a season of fasting and prayer. We know during this season we see miracles, signs, and wonders. We see a lot of things happen. But it also charts the course and sets and paves the way for what the remainder of the year is going to look like. During this season that God is going to take us into, there are going to be some that have been cold and indifferent that will begin to pray and fast, and God is going to bring them back. God is going to relight and rekindle a fire in them, and there's going to be great things that are going to happen. Somebody ought to thank the Lord for that tonight. <laughs> the Bible also says that another great signpost on the road to the end time is that many people will be deceived. The scripture says that false prophets will arise and shall deceive many. Here is another 
sign of the time. I had somebody come to me the other day and began to talk about a clearly a false teacher and began to talk about how that they were being used so powerfully and how God was doing all these great things and that they had talked and confirmed with another false teacher and how God was using them in such a powerful way and how perhaps that I needed to take note of what was happening in that false movement and that I needed to pay attention to what's going on. I, I, I just sat back for a moment and remember the days when the individual that came to me once walked so powerfully in the Holy Ghost, yet in these last days, perhaps something somewhere has slipped and they have begun to become deceived in their own mind to not recognize that because God may move and use somebody to, to, uh, for His will to be accomplished, they forget the fact that he also could speak through a donkey if he needed to get his word. Doesn't mean the donkey is a prophet. Well, can I preach for a little while tonight? We must be aware that in these last days, the Bible says, not me, the Bible said that false prophets are going to arise and it is the job of you and I to be a discerner and to pay attention to those that are walking and being steadfast in the faith. And the Bible tells us how to deal with those false prophets. Now, I don't have time tonight to teach a lesson on this, but I'm talking about the signposts that many would be deceived. Let me move on. People will also not want strong preaching. They will not endure sound doctrine, the Bible said. They, 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 they're going to want to bring to themselves, uh, they're going to try to find people that will that'll just cause their ears to tingle, cause their ears, they, they look for people that have itching ears, uh, people that just are looking for a compliment, people that may be prophets for profit, if you please. They are those that are there just looking for a paycheck and just looking. I come tonight to remind you, I've said it once, I've said it over the 18 years of pastoring this church, I would rather be in a storefront preaching the truth than to be in a great cathedral filled with, with individuals and losing the truth. We must not be deceived in this last hour. And the church, even so much the more, must seek for truth to be preached. And the next signpost that the Bible talks about is that this gospel would be preached in all of the world. How many of you are thankful that this gospel is on the airways and on the internet and in churches, and we are sending missionaries all around the world. But this is a sign of where we are in these last days. The gospel is getting to places that in years past were considered um, unreachable, but now these great signs of the end time as we are sending more missionaries to more locations than ever before. Many of our missions fields that we have supported throughout the years now have established missionaries and they are sending missionaries out from the mission field that we have supported. The mission field is sending out missionaries, both, both home and foreign. And so they're going around the world. And I believe that as we are seeing this, we, we have more giftings in the church than ever before. 
Sunday was a great example. We have more talent in the church than ever before. And I didn't come to be negative tonight. And I came to remind you that I, for one, do not believe that the generation that is coming behind us I do not believe that they are letting down nor walking away. Sure, there's always those that don't want it. But I come tonight to remind you that there are a group of young men and young women that are sold out to apostolic truth that are determined to take this gospel around the world. That are They are going to preach Jesus' name, baptism. They are going to believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. It's going to be... It's going to be preached throughout the whole world. Then let me tell you that as we see these signposts, that we must recognize the troubling of the waters. We as a church, as Christian Life Church, we must recognize the troubling of the waters. As we see the chaos in the world of politics, in the government in general, as we see chaos and corruption. And uh, I could go on for a while tonight, but it, don't want to belabor the point. We could, we could talk about it for uh, quite some time tonight. But what do all of these dark days seem to mean for the church? The darker the night, the brighter shines the light of the church. Our time is now. I do believe that this is our finest hour. This is the time when the Lord is troubling the waters. I, I don't believe it's time for us as a church to sit back and wait and watch. I, I, I know some, and I just want to remind you to guard against this. I, I've heard of some say, well, I... You know, I, I would be a worshiper, but I'm, I'm more of an observer. Uh, that, that pause in observing some time is not a sign of wisdom. It is a sign that uh, your spiritual intuition is dulled to the point that you cannot flow with what God is doing. You are trying to use human reasoning to calculate, to figure out through observance and human reasoning of what the next step should be. Can I tell you tonight that the church needs to be prayed up. The church needs to be sensitive to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. The church needs to become more sensitive in these last hours. There is no telling what the church we read and hear about what the church endured in previous generations. What does that mean for the church in this generation? We have gone through a season that the church has not known persecution, but perhaps the church will once again deal with persecution. Perhaps we will deal with demonic oppression and demonic spirits like we never have before. Perhaps once again it will be said that they are casting out devils, that they are seeing people come from all different walks of life in these last days. The church, I'm not calling 
calling and saying that's where we are going. But I'm telling you, the church needs to be prayed up. The church needs to be sensitive. The church needs to be ready. The church needs to be proactive. It's not time to sit back, fold our arms, and wait on a brother or a sister to act. But God is looking at every one of us, and he is saying the time is now for us to go to work. The time is now for us to go to prayer. The time is now for us to go into spiritual warfare. The time for the church. The time for the church is now. I I read an article about a certain tree that grows just off the, the, the coast of Africa in an island of Madagascar. It's a palm tree of sorts. It appears to be like all the other palms that grows Uh, in other parts of Asia, but what makes this tree so very unique is that the, the proud owner of each tree would watch this tree grow beyond his own lifetime. Up to a hundred years this tree would grow before eventually one time in a hundred years that tree will eventually produce blooms and seed would be produced out of that tree. It takes a hundred years of nurturing, of watching the development process and the growth process and the pruning process to eventually one time for only a few days does that tree blossom and does that tree bloom. Its flowers are so rare that really nobody notices that it's different from any of the other palms until only a few years ago they became so accustomed to the tree not producing and the tree not blooming that they had no expectation of it ever happening. Its its mundane existence had just simply become a way of life. Can I reach out to Christian Life Church tonight and tell you that in the year of 2022, as we are approaching, I want you to hear from your pastor tonight that I'm looking for every seasoned saint that people may not be expecting you to blossom and you to bloom and you to produce seed. But I come tonight to tell you that I believe the season is now. I am going to start expecting it. I'm going to start believing God for it, that there is going to be a moment that people that have never produced are going to begin to produce in the kingdom of God. People that have just sit on the sideline are going to get active and going to become proactive. Don't think because you've been around the church for 50 years, it's time for to let somebody else do it. But it's time for every one of us to engage in what God is doing and to bloom and to blossom in the kingdom of God. I know I'm being awfully preachy on this Wednesday night. In our text, the man's sick with a palsy with the palsy had become so accustomed to his seemingly unsolvable situation that it became a normal way of life for him. His situation had become normal in his world. His actions had become normal in his world. 38 years he laid by the pool of Bethesda with no man to put him in. He became accustomed to missing opportunities. He had become his circumstances that seemed to just never turn to to his favor. I'm going to tell you tonight that there is
is a way out of those seasoned saints who may come and sit through services and leave and seemingly never uh, really engage. I'm, I'm going to give you a recipe tonight if you will begin to pray and ask God to, 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 to give you sensitivity like you have never had before. And if you will walk in the doors of every church service praying and asking God with expectancy, Lord, tonight when the waters are troubled, I'm not waiting on the youth to begin to worship, but I'm going to begin to worship. I'm not waiting on those that always clap their hands to clap their hands, but I am going to engage. I want to be proactive. I am going to be productive. And every altar call, those who have a tendency to stand back and be standoffish and look for an excuse to not be down in the front where it's happening, I'm going to tell you, you need to step into the water. You need to step out from where you are. Stop laying by the pool of Bethesda with an excuse of it not being your personality of it not being your nature you need to step from where you are and declare this church is going to be set on fire this church is going to be a revival church I'm going to teach a Bible study I'm going to win a lost soul I'm going to win my neighbor I'm going to do evangelism this year but you got to make up your mind and you got to be proactive you got to take the step. This is what causes so many people to miss their moment. They become accustomed to this and comfortable with their action. Someone said the definition of insanity is doing what you have always done and expecting a different outcome. If you will make up your mind that I want a different outcome, and that means i got to do something different. Some services I want to tell everybody, just get up from where you are, go to the other side of the church. If you're in the back, sit in the front. If you're in the front, sit in the back. If you're on the left, go to the right. If you're on the right, go to the left. If you're in the middle, stand on your head. I don't know, whatever you have to do. But we've got to do something sometimes just to say, you know what, I'm just going to do something different. If I'm used to coming in the front door, I'm going to come in the back door. If I'm used to coming in and sitting through a message, I'm going to try clapping my hands and shouting amen. I'm going to do something differently than what I normally do because I want a different outcome when I walk out the doors. We come in carrying sickness and leave carrying sickness. We come in burdened and leave with a burden. We must be proactive. Listen, look at your neighbor and tell them your time is now. The waters were only troubled for a moment, but it was always someone else that received their miracle, someone else healed. And then another year passed. What if this season is your season to blossom? Your season to grow. Your season for a miracle. Your season for ministry. Maybe we don't need to pray for more miracles. But maybe we need to be more sensitive to the moment of opportunity that God brings our way because if we'll engage, a miracle will happen. How many people miss their opportunity because they miss their moment? They're not sensitive. They're not paying attention. 
I'm reminded of a story a few years ago when Dylan felt led to pray for a sick man in a Sheridan hotel in Oklahoma City at a youth event that he was at. And the man refused and would not allow him to pray for him. Little did that man know, that crippled man would rather sit and beg for money. Dylan went to pray for him. He said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. He stopped him. That man may have missed his moment for a miracle. That moment of refusal could have changed that man's life. What would have happened if when Jesus told the man, rise, take up your bed and walk, he would have looked at Jesus and said, I've been here 38 years. I ain't going nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's just like church services when the pastor say, come on, clap your hands. And people stand and don't clap their hands. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, engage in prayer. Come on, let's gather in the front and pray. Come on, let's have prayer meeting. But people say, I got other things to do. I got better ways to do it. I'm going to do it my way, not your way. And we miss our miracle moment because we simply are not willing to say, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to try it your way. Young man was only 16 years old. But go ahead, lay hands on me, Brother Dylan. I may get healed right here on the streets of Oklahoma City. I've often wondered the outcome of that man. And I have prayed for him from time to time and said, God, I don't know what you're doing. But give him another chance so that he can testify that I will never turn anybody's prayer away again. Don't miss your moment. Jesus wasn't even sure that the man in our text wanted to be healed. Jesus asked him, Sir, would you be made whole? Do you even want to be made whole? Obviously, the man had stopped expecting an opportunity to come to him. Every year an opportunity was coming. But he said, when the water is troubled, I have nobody to put me in. He didn't expect it to happen. Now, let me ask you a question that I asked you at the beginning, beginning of this lesson tonight. What do you expect the next year to look like in your life? What do you expect it to look like? The ministry that you've been praying for, what do you expect it to look like? To the teacher in the classroom, what do you expect your classroom to look like? To the ministry leader, what do you expect your ministry to look like? To the one that's faithful serving God, what do you expect your life to look like over the next year? What are you dreaming for? What are you praying for? Somebody said if you're not praying prayers so big that it scares you, you're not praying big enough prayers. I know it's Wednesday night and some of you just don't want me meddling with you tonight, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay right here where I'm at and just, just frustrate you for a little while. We need to start asking God for bigger things. We need to stop asking God for one neighbor on one side. We need to ask him for the whole street. We need to stop asking God for a 50-soul revival and start asking him for a 500-soul revival. What are you dreaming for? What are you praying for? And this is the biggest question. What are you preparing for? 
Now let me put this in perspective. If I was a man that had been laying by the pool for 38 years and I knew my excuse was that I had no man to put me in, I think when I figured the calendar was about to turn another year, I would perhaps find myself sitting on the edge of the, of the pool where all I had to do was just rock right on over into that pool because I would have been desperate. This man wasn't desperate. He waited for the water to be troubled before he started thinking about what he had to do to get in. We've got to start being proactive and looking into the future and start saying, God, show me what the future may look like. Let me plan and prepare for what you may be wanting to do. Let me get ready for what you want, what you want to do. You remember when I first began to preach and cast the vision for this building as we were over on Delphi Avenue, our average attendance was about 125 people. The first time that I ever mentioned a new building, I well remember. I got home. Brother Price wanted to talk to me. I went to his house, and we sat down. And and he looked at me and he said, I think we need to fill up the building we have before we start thinking about a new building. And I said, I understand what you're talking about. I see that. But let me show you something. This is where we were three years ago with about 80 people on Sunday. Three years later, we're about 125 people. I'm not preaching and, and casting vision for tomorrow. I'm casting vision for what God's going to do in six, eight, and ten years. He said, I understand that. He said, I'm with you and I'm behind you. We're going to believe God for it, but we've got to see this growth happen. I was so determined to see that growth happen. The next year we were at 135, and the next year at 145, and the next year at 160, and the next year at 180. And before long, we're putting chairs out, and our average attendance went up to about 225 people on a Sunday as we're packed in that little building before we ever made our way here. But somebody had to start casting a vision and saying look where we're going and let's get ready otherwise we would still be sitting in Delphi Avenue saying God send us revival we don't understand why people come and people leave maybe it's because they didn't have parking places or seats to set in I'm here tonight to tell you God's given us a wonderful building but we're not going to sit here like the lepers until we die we're going to get ready for what God is wanting to do we're going to I'm just going to go ahead. I'm way out on a limb and off of my notes tonight. I called our leadership team together. Some of you are in this room that were in that meeting on that night when I called together and began to talk about growth and where we were. And I said, this is our leadership structure. And I unveiled our leadership structure as we were. I began to talk about this is the new leadership structure. This is where we're going to. This is what I see God doing. This is the way the new leadership is going to look. And about that time, people's eyes begin to open and people begin to see it and people begin to get on board. There were changes. There was different methods in how we did things and how we operated. And it was painful and there was a learning curve and we had to work through it. But my vision to them was we were going to build a leadership structure to grow the church to become a church of 300. At that time, we were only about 125. Yes, I answered the question of why are we looking to 300 when we're only 125. But if we don't start today, we will never be ready when God sends the revival, when God sends the harvest. You don't wait until the harvest has been harvested to decide I've got to build a silo to be able to handle the harvest. 
You've got to have the silo to handle the harvest. The silo needs to come before the harvest. Somebody ought to get what I'm preaching to you tonight. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready for what God is wanting to do. A few weeks ago, I came together and I said, here's what we're getting ready to do. We're going to begin to develop a new leadership structure in our church. It's going to affect every leader. It's going to affect everybody. We're going to change the way we're doing things. We're going to begin to look at things from a different way. Back in the early part of 2021, we were able to host our district conference here and a great leadership guru in our movement was uh, a pastor in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana uh, with uh, Bishop Anthony Mangan and uh, Terry Schock was very instrumental in the growth and the the, the process of operation and government of the church there in Alexandria through its years of growth. I asked Brother Shock if he would be willing to help me, be willing to coach me, be willing to talk me and teach me and help me learn the processes that we need to go through. He just spoke a few words to me. I intend to be connected to him much more closely as we begin to do so. But as we approach 2022, there's going to be leadership changes. Don't get nervous. I'm not going anywhere. Nobody's getting demoted. Nobody's losing positions. But everybody in the church is about to grow. We are about to grow. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're about to grow. We're about to grow. We're going to move up. We're not going down. We're moving up. Somebody said, why change anything? We've already, uh, Sister Kelly sent me an email last night. We baptized 52 in Jesus' name already this year and we still have a couple of Sundays left to go. I thank God for that. That's one a week. We ought to thank God for that. I'm rejoicing in that. Somebody said, why don't you just leave everything like it is? Because if we don't start now, we won't be ready when 300 and 350 and 400 people begin to walk in the doors. We must have a plan in place that says this is where we are, but that's what I feel God calling me to. That's where we're going to. Without a vision, people will perish. But I'm telling you, we're casting a vision to go places that we have never been before, to walk in uncharted waters. Is any Anybody ready to see revival sweep through this city and everybody be part of what God is doing. Today they, they create hashtags for everything. I don't know what the hashtag is going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. But I just feel like one of those, one of those silly fellows on the interstate driving down that just puts on the side of his car where he's going or bust, I just feel like 500 or bust. That's how I feel. It doesn't matter. We're going after it. We're going after it. Well, Pastor, what if we never see it? But what if we do? You understand where you are? I've already heard all that story when we were about 80 people. I heard people saying, do you understand where you are? you understand the location you're in? I do. There's about 27,000 people in this county alone. But this church has a reach into a surrounding area that could reach almost 1 million people within driving distance of this church building. I come tonight to tell you I refuse to declare that we can't grow because of location. We can't grow because of where we are. God knows no limits. I know this is too much for some of you on a Wednesday night. You came in and wanted to just rest for a while tonight. 
And here I am. We, what are you preparing for? When God troubles the water, we must be ready. We must be sensitive to the moment. Brother Mooney used to tell me, timing is everything. We must be prepared for the moment. Look at your neighbor and tell him our time is now. Let me tell you the second thing, and I'm only to point two. The sick man's confidence was not in God but in man. When Jesus asked him if he would be made holy, he said, Sir, I have no man to put me in. He had confidence in man instead of confidence in the one that was standing there talking to him. People who are always waiting on someone else will miss their moment. That's why I say if I'm the only one with expectation, I want to have expectation. If we're the only church believing for revival in the middle of these troubled days in which we are, I want to go. If, if we sink, I want to sink preaching revival. If we fail, I'm going to fail preaching revival. If we fail, I'm going to fail preaching faith. But I know this much, we're not going to fail because you get what you preach. We're going to preach revival. We're going to preach faith. We're going to preach healing. We're going to preach miracles, signs and wonders and salvation. We are going to believe God. My moment's not based on anyone else. This church's moment is not based on man. It is God's timing. Pastor, what if it doesn't happen in 2022 and you're doing all this work in preparation for 2022 to be the year? What if it doesn't happen in 2022? There's 2023 if he still tarries. And if he doesn't tarry, we're not going to worry about it anyway. Well, what if it doesn't happen in the next three years? There's going to be the fourth year if he still tarries. Whatever we have to do, we're going to be ready. We're not going to miss our moment. Jesus, the third thing I want to tell you is Jesus worked in an unconventional and unexpected way. The issue is, is don't be caught off guard in the next season. God will send an unconventional word at the right time. A few weeks ago, I began, I, I called my wife, Brother Danny, Sister Cheryl together, and I said, we've got to talk. I said, since there has been a vacancy in the leadership of Lebanon, I, I had not heard from the Lord. I did not have direction. I did not know what we needed to do. I wasn't sure what the answer was. But we were just doing what we could do with the best of our ability. It just seemed like God was not giving divine direction. After I had challenged us to go into a season of prayer and fasting, I'll try to expedite this story tonight. But the Lord spoke a word to me. And he said, Lebanon needs a refocus. I said, that's not a new word. I thought it was just me for a moment. I said, that's not a new word. We've, we've had a refocus here in this church a few years back. And we've used that word. And the Lord said, it's a new and fresh word for Lebanon. I didn't know what a refocus was. I didn't know what a refocus was going to look like. Over the next few days, the Lord began to reveal and share His divine will uh, with me. And then I became concerned because I needed to talk to those that have been so faithful and worked so hard in the direction that we have been going in Lebanon. 
And I wasn't certain how it would be received, yet I felt like it was from the Lord. And so uh, I, I began to meet with uh, individuals that are part and talk to the church board and, and met with individual families and began to talk about what I'm feeling uh, to do a refocus uh, in Lebanon, to, to refocus our efforts and to turn our attention very strongly to evangelism and to establish a midweek Bible study group. And this is going to be costly and it's going to be change for us. And instead of us just taking people from Frankfurt to Lebanon and having church with the same people that just got out of church and going to Lebanon with no new people and just having church and then coming back having a third service here with our music team and praise team and faithful members that are traveling with us, working hard and worshiping and giving and what, how this would all work, but that the Lord would have us refocus and take this group into an evangelism team and to become a Bible study group. And, um, and, and let's just see what would happen. I began to meet with different ones. And uh, the first, of course, that I met with was my, my close staff here, the pastoral staff, and began to talk about uh, what, what I was seeing. And the moment that I spoke it, every one of them began to confirm what they were feeling and that we were on the right track. I went to the board and began to talk to them, and they felt I was on the right track. I met with Brother Justin um, Bolin, and I told him, Brother Justin, I feel that the Lord would like for me to ask you if you would lead the Lebanon refocus, if you would be the refocus team director and leader, if you would go in and begin to plan and establish a, uh, an evangelism team and begin to lead a Bible study group. And we're evangelizing, trying to get people to sign up and be part of a Bible study group that we're going to meet every week and we're going to get a Bible study group and we're going to refocus and, and eventually in God's time we will be able to relaunch Sunday services but instead of relaunching with 25 or 30 people from Frankfurt traveling there we will have a core group that we are ministering to when we go there. And uh, I sat down with Brother Justin and Sister Genesis, and he said, Pastor, his words exactly, and he's here in the room. He said, Pastor, this is exactly what we have been praying for. What an answer. I met with others. They said, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm believing God for. This is what we see God doing. And of course, there's always the issue of provision. And we're always wondering, God, how are you going to handle this financially right in the middle of all of this? The Lord literally just put the coin in the fish's mouth. And the Lord provided to where we're able to have our midweek Bible study in Lebanon. And the church is out absolutely zero dollars God is able to provide and make a way. It would have never happened if somebody wouldn't have taken a step of faith and said, this is where we're going. What? if Moses would have never said we're going northward. We've surrounded this mountain long enough but we're going northward and the people complained and said no we don't want to go. We want to stay here but if he would have never walked northward the promised land would have never become theirs. It would have never come to pass. I come tonight to tell you we're better off getting up and doing something and trying
trusting God to give clear direction than sitting and doing nothing and complaining for the lack of results. So we've been waiting a long time. Maybe we've been waiting too long. I believe I hear the voice of God speaking to somebody. Somebody that God's been dealing with you about your ministry. God's been dealing with you about the work that he wants you to do. The ministry that you need to engage in. The work that you need to do in the church. Where you need to be plugged in. What you need to do. Everybody, everybody. There's room for everybody. There's a spot for everybody. If there's not room, we're going to make room. If you've been leading a ministry for a long time, you need to be thinking about where can I make room to be able to increase what we're doing, to add people to what we're doing. God is troubling the waters. And we as a church are getting ready. We're not going to miss this opportunity. I believe that the greatest revival is ahead of us. We baptized 50 Two people so far this year. I wonder what God is going to do next year. Are there any believers with me? We baptized 36 last year, 52 this year. What's to say that we don't hit the 100 mark next year? Anybody believe with me tonight that it's possible? I'm closing. When the followers of Jesus came to Thessalonica, it was said of them, these are they which have turned the world upside down. Although they meant it for evil, it was a compliment with divine consequences. Many of us longed that it might be said of us. Listen, in the early days of Pentecost, I have heard my dad tell stories of them having tent meetings and having rotten tomatoes thrown at them, at the tent ropes being cut while they're in the middle of altar call with people praying in the altar and unexpected with the tent collapsing on people as they were believing and praying, people becoming upset. The pioneer Pentecostals had such a revival that they closed down dance halls and bar rooms and liquor stores because their customers were all being born again and getting delivered by the power of the Almighty God. Perhaps once again, it's time for us, CLC, to get ready to turn our world upside down. God help us. I believe the time to go into action is now. God always begins by changing a man before he ever changes a nation and changes the world. Moses had to turn aside in the wilderness to meet God before God sent him to change his world. Before the world of the Mediterranean could ever be changed, Saul of Tarshish had to be changed. And then the whole Mediterranean world was turned right side up after Saul met God. Moses, when he met God, took off his shoes and turned aside for a divine encounter with God. It wasn't until then that God would use Moses to affect his world. Saul, when the Lord spoke to him, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Our world and our times need men like Moses and Paul who have had an encounter with God and are willing to turn aside from our personal agendas and busy schedules to have an encounter with God so that we too can make a difference in our world. A church that turns its attention inside out is a ch church that can turn its world upside down. As long as we focus on what's going on here, 
long as we focus on what's in it for me and what I can do here instead of what I can do for others. We'll never see the revival until we turn what God is doing in here to what God is doing out there. God help me to walk into this church. And when I see people that some may say they'll never amount to anything, help me to see the endless potential that God has. This year at our general conference, I was so very inspired as I heard a young man walk to that pulpit and begin to preach at our United Pentecostal Church General Conference, now pastoring a church. The father-in-law, Brother Chris Dillingham, that we know so well here as a favorite evangelist for many years. His father-in-law pastor is now the bishop, the man that serves now as the pastor. Ten years ago, came into their church through a rehab program. He was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to alcohol. He had lost his way. He had walked so far away from family and God. Of his own testimony, he said, nobody would have ever looked at me and ever thought I would be standing in a pulpit, pastoring a church, much, much less standing in a pulpit at general conference and preaching to thousands of preachers that are gathered here. Don't ever discount what God is doing and what God can raise up among us. Don't discount what God can do in your life. Oh, not me, Pastor. You don't know what God can do until you begin to step into action and take the faith and say, I'm not waiting any longer, but I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. We must be anointed for this hour. We have been appointed for this generation. You can stand with me all over the room. I feel a generation of the gospel has been laid upon the shoulders of us. Pastor, why are you bringing this on a Wednesday night? Shouldn't you have come with a simple little Bible study? Why do you come with visions? Because I knew tonight that those that chose to be here are those that are the difference makers in this church. Some of the most faithful. Some of the hardest working. Some of those that I can count on anytime I need to call. That's you. You're here tonight. Some's been here for many, many years. Some have been here for only a few months. Regardless of what your status is, I want you to know I believe in you. And I want you to know that God has a plan for you. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to step out on faith and say, Now, God, I am, I am stepping out by faith. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to be prepared. I'm coming with expectation. I'm going to be ready for what you want to do in me. I believe we're at a pivotal point for our future as a church. I believe the future of revival in this church is resting on the shoulders of many that are in this room tonight. I know there's others that may not be able to be here tonight for whatever reason, but the question I came to ask you tonight is, is our vision and is our passion and is our desire and is our dedication equal to that? of the generations that have gone on before us. Do we have the same passion and the same courage and the same desire and the same drive? Do we have the made-up mind? Are we preparing to be the one that God uses to be the difference maker in this next generation and for this next wave of revival? I believe God is waiting for some young and old seasoned and new converts. It does not matter. God is calling men everywhere and women everywhere 
He's looking for willing vessels. He's ready to fill those vessels. He's ready to do a work in your life. I feel like tonight I need to just open these altars and ask you if you would like to just step forward tonight just to speak to the Lord and talk to Him for a few moments. If you feel to kneel, kneel. If you want to stand, stand. But let's all respond to what God is doing. I hear the voice of Mordecai. Thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is our finest hour. This is our moment. We're moving into one of the greatest seasons for the church. It could be one of the greatest seasons for your personal life and ministry. You just have to say yes to him. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Use me. Oh, yes, let's just talk to him a while. God, we believe forever from the impossible. We'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe forever. Move the immovable. Break the That's beautiful. Let's respond to the Lord tonight. Let's respond to the Lord tonight. Come on, it's our time. It's our hour. It's our moment. Come on, let's respond for just a few more minutes. We've got time for this tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. calling you tonight to go beyond complacency. Come on, God's awakening your spirit tonight. It's time to do more than we've ever done before. It's time to reach like we've never reached before. It's time to see harvest in this city. It's time to see revival of our church. Come on, God's calling you tonight. Respond to Him. I hear His voice calling to you tonight.